Welcome to the number one podcast covering Michigan State basketball. The Final Four is not in the schedule. Join Rod and me, Eric, as we dive deep into the Spartans to get you prepared for every game. Subscribe today for in-depth recruiting updates and fantastic interviews with today's important college basketball personalities like Robbie Hummel. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I have listened to your guys' podcasts numerous times on drives throughout any Midwestern Big Ten city, so I, I am a big fan of your guys' work. Jay Billis. And next time, hey, if anybody in Michigan wants a December tea time, call me. You wimps won't show up, but I'll I'll be there. I'll be there and play in the cold. And Izzo will be in front of the fire with hot chocolate. Coaches Thomas Kelly. Oh, no problem. Glad to be back, man. Glad to be back. Mike Garland. You just can't sit there and trade twos for threes. You can't do it. You're going to lose. Coming down the stretch, you're going to lose. And more. You won't find better coverage of Spartan Hoops than you will get here. For both the casual and hardcore fan, come along as we take you for a green and white ride. Hey everybody, it's Eric alongside Rod here. We're here to discuss Michigan State's 74-51 victory over the University of Southern Indiana's Screaming Eagles. Before we start the show, quick shout out to Ben Kosar, who joined us on Patreon at the Scott Skiles level. Thanks a ton, Ben. We really appreciate the support. If you love what we're doing and want to help keep us on the air, head on over to thefinalfours.com slash support, or if you're lazy, tffinots.com slash support to get links to contribute to the show via PayPal or Venmo or on a recurring basis through Patreon or Substack. All right, Rod, let's discuss the game. I think, you know, um, obviously, better outcome than last time. It's a victory, a game that I think you can be a little satisfied with. There were some things that were better. Um, I mean, obviously the win, but I think just the overall play was better. And some things that need to be fixed. I think, you know, we were talking about shooting, and that was better, except for three. It was <laughs> it was surprisingly absent. and. And, um, you know, I don't know. We'll talk about that in just a little bit, I guess. But um, I thought the freshmen looked very freshman-like today in some ways. Uh, you know, Booker had some times where he looked much more effective than he has previous the previous three games we've watched him play. Uh, but, again, uh, on def- defense getting lost a little bit. Certainly happened with Carr a lot. Carr looked very pedestrian today for the most part. And I felt like those two especially really looked like um, – like they sort of would uh, expect it to be able to recover with defensive mistakes, like, you know, come from behind and block people. Uh, and and I don't know if that's just, uh, maybe that's kind of what they could do and fall back on in high school and things like that because they're so overwhelming athletically and with their size. Uh, but I think overall, this outside of AJ, I think everybody looked a lot better as far as the starters go. But I'll let you take it from there, I guess, and give us your thoughts and generally overall about the game. Uh, uh, um. <laughs> <laughs> they, they really, I mean, there were there were some things that were positives. I thought the defense that they played in the first half was was actually really good. Yeah, I agree. and yeah, it's Southern Indiana, but it doesn't matter. Any D one team, you hold them to what they have at halftime, fourteen points. Fourteen points, yeah, thirty seven, fourteen. Y- you're and and you could see it if you were watching. Mm-hmm. I oh, thought, yeah. I thought they were much. Um, much better on ball screens than they were against James Madison. Um, the guards applied pretty consistent ball pressure. They didn't have as many steals, but I thought they really made it tough for USI to get into any semblance of offense. I mean, USI was continually going very late in the clock in the yeah. first half because they just couldn't get a look. 
and not good ones and, even and when they so got I was, yeah. I was very happy with the defensive effort in the first half. Unfortunately, the second half happened, <laughs> and they were really bad yeah. for the most part defensively. Yep. They're pretty damn awful. The one exception of that was after he had to yank the starters after the first whatever it was, three minutes, four minutes of the half, um, the younger group came in and turned the game back because they got as close as 15. And then the younger group came in. It was, I think, four guys were substituted in. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Fears, Holloman, Booker, Carr. And they turned it around by playing better defense. Um, and then after that, they it didn't really matter who was on the floor. They were just kind of, ah. Eh. Yeah defensively mm-hmm. so progress with at least one good half of defense but that isn't going to get it done um the defensive rebounding was um abysmal given who they yeah. were playing the the rate is not horrendous it's not great it was somewhere around i think 31 percent. yep 32 yeah um but uh but that's not acceptable um and unlike the James Madison game, they had very little in the way of offensive rebounding in this one to at least semi compensate. Um, I, I think, well, we're going to, we're going to hit this when we get to the keys, but, um, I'm about at the point where I've concluded that, um, what we'd hoped for, which was that, A.J. Hogard as a senior, having gone through that tournament run, maybe, okay, he's finally figured it out. Mm-hmm. And he had an impressive summer by all accounts. Yeah. Did very well at the Chris Paul camp. It, it, really good. Um, We've got four games now, counting the two exhibitions. And he hasn't played worth it in any of them. To, to be blunt. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I'm past believing that he's figured it out. He hasn't. He hasn't. And unless that happens, this team's ceiling cannot be reached. You People are going to focus on things like perimeter shooting, which I get. It's a problem. Mm-hmm. But you know what part of that is? I'm going to tell you. Part of that is you damn point guard isn't creating enough good looks for people now the the shots they took were good looks and they didn't fall but they didn't attempt very many no because they didn't get very many because their point guard isn't getting into the lane forcing defenses to contort and then finding people he's not doing that he's doing a terrible job of it he had i think he had four assists three turnovers today come on yeah come on and he's not scoring on top of that. So I, I, I'll i tell you this. I mean, I, I don't think Izzo is ready to cash it in by any stretch um, with him. But what we saw today, um, for me, I would very much be looking to accelerate the development of Jeremy fears. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at. Um, Cause I've officially had enough. 
I don't know how <laughs> I don't I don't get the sense that the fan base is where I am because there's way still way too much focus on Malik Hall's shooting, which is so far beside the point of what is ailing this team offensively. Yeah. And frankly, overall, you start at the point. You have to. It, if for any team, that's true, but especially for Michigan State. And so when that guy is not engaged, when he's not locked in, he's not doing the things he's supposed to do in terms of making others better, um, they're going to struggle. And that's where they're at right now. The, I, I would make a good argument that the the best they look tonight were stretches where Jeremy Fears was running the team. So to me, you have five assists, no turnovers. Um, he's got miles to go. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, it's not going to frustrate me watching him because the mistakes he makes are ones where he's trying to make it happen and and then hopefully learning from it. I've now seen three-plus years of no learning. And just speaking for myself, I'm tired of it. Yeah. I'm just tired of watching it. I really am. And And if that doesn't change, now look, do I think that he can figure it out and and maybe get to a point where um, we have a stretch, like half a season, where he gets it done? Yeah, maybe. He can't rule that out. But, you know, Robbie, you, you didn't have the benefit of watching the broadcast. Robbie Hummel said he, he during that stretch to open the second half, and this isn't all AJ, but you know what? Once again, he's the point guard. Yep. So it's on him. Robbie Hummel said, I just can't believe that this team with guys who have started this many games, that Izzo's having to coach them the way he's having to coach them. And he's right. He's 100% right. Mm -hmm. Now, I'll, I'll give them that they started this game marginally better than the last two. The, the opening wasn't an abject disaster. So... <laughs> Better there, congrats. But then they come out and start the second half the way they did. Get outscored by, I think it was eight in the first four minutes and change. That's just, and it's and it's him. Above anybody else, it's him. Don't talk to me about Malik Hall's shooting. You are missing the real story here. It's the point guard. And until that gets fixed, this is going to look the way you saw it tonight and the way you've seen it, the way you saw it on Monday night. That's it. That's the bottom line. I mean, there are certainly things to critique about other players. You know, Jaden Akins was better in some ways today, mm -hmm. um, but he's still got a long way to go before he can match what I think, what I know my expectations were for him this year. He hasn't been close to those yet. Malik Hall, I thought, was better. He was much more aggressive in some ways in this game. That was good to see. Um, but, you know, he's got to be able to hit some shots. He doesn't He doesn't have to be Joey Hauser, but he's got to hit some jumpers. Yeah. And, and there's no denying that he looks out of sync. So that's got to change. And I don't know. I sure hope it's not a situation where it takes until the Christmas break to address that. But it might. Um, 
So that's got to change. Uh, you know, and that I thought Madi was better tonight. Really good from the free throw line. Yep. Um, did some positive things. I thought he was much better defensively. So I don't have big complaints about him. And and, and look, Tyson Walker is has been lights out now. If you if you look at these first two games, he's so clearly their best player that it's not even close. I mean, he's he's getting to the point that I'm I'm really ready to say, well, I don't know that it'll be quite on this level because he's a different player, different size, et cetera. But it feels to me like he could be he could be gearing up for a Denzel type senior year. Yeah. He he could be on that path because you know he scored, I think he scored 15 tonight. Yeah, 14. He, did, he didn't points, play that six, yeah. He six didn't to seven play from that the field. Much. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't play that much. You know, he's the back is what was an issue today, not the shin splint stuff that's been talked about. Um, so hopefully that's that's something that is gonna um resolve itself with a little bit of time. But um, you know, I I, I come back I come back to <laughs> it again. If your point guard's not right, you're not right. Yeah. And MSU's point guard is not right. So that's where it begins for me. And I think anybody who doesn't start there is kidding themselves. They're they're get, they're getting distracted by shiny objects, and they're not paying attention <laughs> to what really matters most. Really, I mean that's yeah. true. A fan base of crows, uh, yeah. This, so I, you know, it's interesting. Hogard played twenty one minutes. Fierce had eighteen. It felt like, especially in the second half, I almost wonder if Fierce played more minutes. I think he probably did. Uh, he ended up sitting the last minute. You know when um, Davis Smith was taking over. Well, he deserved to. Yeah, I know that. Much. Well, there's no question. I mean. I do think they, they opened well, and I think AJ played really well the first four minutes or whatever it was, and then it was kind of like, you know, what we've seen the, the other games, and it's... Well, in the in the first half, I think, I think it was the reverse of what happened in the second half. I think the first half, the starting group got out of the gates acceptably. Mm-hmm. It wasn't lights out. They didn't bury these guys, but they played well. And then he came in with the younger group and that's where it got discombobulated. That's where those guys weren't together offensively and, and it bogged down a little bit and really didn't get fully back on track until some of the veterans started coming back in. Yeah. I, he definitely got in the second half. I did sort of that complaining sort of, uh, you know, being upset with, with his teammates. I, I'm with you. I mean, he is, uh, he is very frustrating to watch because especially if you watch fears who comes in and you consistently get like maximum effort and, you know, positive energy and yeah, he doesn't do everything and he messes up some defensive assignments, et cetera. But I mean, for the positives he brings are, are I think vastly outweigh the negatives that he's bringing at this point. So yeah, at some point you're going to, you've got to make a decision, I guess, if you're, well, I want to be, I want to be perfectly clear. Um, playing, doing something like giving Jeremy Fears 25 minutes a night um, and reducing AJ's minutes. Um, that's not a formula that I expect would put Michigan State where we all hoped they'd be right. this season. Yeah. So do not confuse what I'm saying. We say, well, look, Jeremy Fears is the answer, folks. No, but the only answer for that equation is AJ Hogard playing 
the way that he's shown to be capable of at times. Um, and if you're not going to get that consistently, then you know what you're reduced to? What you're reduced to is basically where this team was last year, where you hope that he catches a wave at the right time. <laughs> yeah. That there's no excuse for that. That's not where they should be. That's not where he should be. This isn't a talent deficit. It's not that. But uh, it's hard to figure out. I just, right? I've ha- I've I've had it. I've had it. I've reached my limit with it. And <laughs> I'll tell you what. Tuesday night, if if he doesn't show up, he's gonna get punked and embarrassed. Yeah. So he'd better figure it out over the next three, four days. Yeah, I just don't understand, you know, I because everything, you know, you've everything we heard of the summer and we we saw the end of this, the NCAA tournament. But it's not, you know, it's easy to forget that three games before in the Big Ten tournament, he was atrocious. Right. And right. That game against Ohio right. State. And so, and, it, and and that was an outlier because, to be honest, he had been pretty good. Yeah, AJ down the stretch, had been there. playing pretty good basketball. Yeah. for a lot, basically the second half of the Big Ten, and then he had just that absolute disaster against Ohio State, and then bounced back for a great three-game run. But that's what I'm talking about. When it's your senior point guard who's supposedly all this and all that, man, you're not looking for. Well, I just hope he catches fire. I hope he's on. <laughs> That's not that. Come on. Yeah. That's not, that's not the standard, you know? And if he's not going to play to the standard, they got other guys who can play. I'm just, again, I'm not, I want to be very clear about this because people have a way of selectively hearing. Um, I don't think that Izzo is going to do what I would be sorely tempted to do. And since he knows more basketball than I've forgotten or has forgotten more basketball than I've ever known, um, that's probably the right thing. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying from, from the standpoint of someone who's watched a lot of really, really, really high level point guard play in this program over a long, long time, I know what I'm seeing. And I'm not seeing that. And the fact that it's a senior who started the games he started and is and has shown what he's capable of, that's incredibly frustrating to watch. It's not the only problem this group's had or got, but it's a big one. And it impacts a lot of the other ones. Believe me, it does. Yeah. I'm not even getting into the fact that your fourth-year point guard it apparently isn't any kind of leader either. I'm not even touching that. I think that's pretty clear. <laughs> it's, I think been that way for, a, you know, I, that's been the way for a while. Uh, and, and again, we yeah, just keep you know, hoping that he matures into it, you know, and it just hasn't happened. Yeah. But we're, as, as I say, I'm done. I'm done saying that I'm done saying, boy, I, I just hope that he can figure it out. You know, that's where I was at this offseason. Okay, maybe, maybe that run and the success he's apparently had over the summer is enough that he's figured out, okay, this is the way I've got to play. We're not seeing it. I've seen him four times already. 
two that have counted, and he hadn't shown up once, in my opinion. All right, well, let's get into some specifics of the game, I guess, outside of AJ. Um, we'll begin with uh, our uh, Brothers of Just Who Gutters segment. Uh, the Brothers of Just Who Gutters, if you have a business or a home that has need in need of gutter work, and, you know, there's a lot of rain, you want to make sure you keep water away from the side of your house, it causes all kinds of problems. You have bad gutters, leaks, causes ice, big, huge icicle problems. You can have trees grow in your gutter like I did. Uh, you can, If you need someone who can do the work and do it quickly and do it at a really good price, and that's all they do. They just specialize in that. So you're not just kind of those, that guy who just kind of throws things up because it is there is an art to it. And so you want to contact the brothers at Just Who Gutters. If you live out on the west side of the state near the Grand Rapids area, Kurt and his team will take care of you. On the east side of the state, Greg and his team in the Metro Detroit area will take care of things. They are um, fantastic, and they are the ones who you need to call if you have any sort of gutter repair, cleaning, or replacement work that you need done, either, again, your residential or commercial businesses. Uh, so our highlight player to keep in the gutter this game was um, was uh, Jordan Tillman, who ended up starting. We kind of suspected that might be the case since he's, yeah. he looked like he was uh, one of the better players uh, in their first game against st louis he played 32 minutes he was 4 of 14 from the floor two of five from three five rebounds two assists two turnovers finished with 10 points i think largely he was pretty much held in check by michigan state there were a couple of times when he kind of got a couple you know looked okay but they did a pretty good job containing him and really there's no one in, on the team that really took off him he's a leading scorer at 10 points uh for the um for the screaming eagles yeah i mean uh, you know as i say the second half a, a big backslide defensively, but that first half, they just locked those guys up. And again, that's something that, okay, this is the standard. And I'm, and I'm telling you that level of defense, I, I understand who they were playing against, but that level of defensive execution um, will apply to anybody they're playing. That was a good, objectively, a good defensive effort. Um, so they, they did a decent job on him. They really do. You look at the numbers. They did a decent job on everybody. Yeah. Um, more or less, but uh, again, I just can't let that second half defensive effort out of my mind because that was just incredibly disappointing to see. Yeah. And you know, you see this all the time The the, the, the priest, I don't want to say priest, but the, you know, before the conference play begins, you'll see a really good first half and then you get up to a big lead and then you come sure. out kind of flat in the second sure. half. The problem is, is you're coming off a, you know, a colossal That's it. Law, home That's opening it. loss. There should not be really a loss of focus at that point. That, that, that's the first part. That's the first part. And the second part is the worst segment of that second half was in the beginning when you had all your starters, your veterans out there. Yeah, right. Those are the things that really bother me. So let's talk about the five keys of the game brought to you by Nudge Printing. Nudge Printing is your Spartan place to get Spartan apparel. Uh, Gabe and Brittany are Spartan alums. They run a business right out of here of Portland, Michigan. So all Michigan-made products, high-quality, screen-printed, T-shirts, hoodies, and all sorts of other accessories that you might need. If you also need things for a company or for like a fundraiser for your school or some sort of uh, organization, they have Fabricated Customs that does fantastic work. He will, Gabe will design the, the logos for you and he'll do all the, all the work that you don't like doing. 
As Rod will tell you many times, there's nothing worse than running a t-shirt drive and having to do all the shipping and configuring all the, getting all the payments and doing that. So having someone doing all that for you, a huge advantage. And they just, they just, you just tell them how much over the retail price or the, um, the, the per cost. And then he'll just send you a check for whatever you raise is if you want to do it as like a fundraiser. So a great way to do things. Uh, they do fantastic work. You can get 20% off your order uh, with a coupon code final four uh, when you do a checkout. So you can't go wrong. That's nudge printing at nudgeprinting.com. All right. So the five keys of the game first is the start and then the start we decided pretty good. I mean, it could have been better, but I, th- but I think, you know, at least they never trailed, <laughs> which was an improvement. De- defensively, defensively, I was very happy yeah. with it. And I was, and I was happy with it from an energy and toughness standpoint. They now, now granted, Southern Indiana did not come out with their hair on fire either, in my view. But nevertheless, I thought the start was acceptable. Offensively, could have been a little better, but but not terrible. I, I didn't feel like they were uh, struggling offensively. Just, I mean, it's sort of like what kind of went from the last game. Just some shots just weren't going in that looked like they should. And so, you know, it looked like the regular offense was the, the offense looked like it was running normally. It just things just weren't falling. It was that, but also part of what made it disjointed was they were getting fouled a lot early. Yeah, that's true. And so it never, even if you're hitting your free throws, it just doesn't ever feel like you're really humming when you're getting hacked and you got to go to the line. And, you know, they, that to their credit, they really stepped up and we, sh- you know, and cashed in their free throws. But, um, you know, that in any event. Yeah. Yeah, that was very encouraging after the performance against JMU that to actually hit 82% free throws and from everybody. It wasn't it wasn't like uh just your guard shooting or something like that. It was, you know, Mati and even Carson Cooper contributed. It's pretty much just Cohen Carr who had struggled out there. He got fouled on that three. Um so second key to the game is AJ. So and I I don't know. Is there more to say about this? I think you know, I think probably that everything that can be said about this, except that it's disappointing. Two two for seven from the floor, and just missing at the yeah rim. missing layups that I mean not even with any just contact, missing. and that you know he had no rebounds, which is not the biggest sin for your point guard. It's weird though for him. For him, for him, you would expect something. Four assists, but three turnovers. Um, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I've said a lot already already and anybody who's gotten this far knows where i'm at um <laughs> if he doesn't and and it's and it's not an answerable again i just want to stress this when i say i would personally be tempted to be giving more of those minutes to jeremy fears um it's not that i believe well yeah if they just play jeremy fears more the team will be better no, it's that he's earning it. Yeah. He's earning it. And you can't you can't keep rewarding. And Tom Izzo's never run his program in a way that rewards somebody who is not delivering. And I don't mean hitting jumpers. I mean not delivering, not doing the things they are supposed to do. The only way this team gets to where they want to be is if A.J. Hogarth is vastly more engaged than we have seen thus far. That's it. 
That's yeah. it. Well, I mean, this is a guy who had posted plenty of games last year, seven turnover or seven assists, one turnover, you know, eight assists and, you know, one turnover. I mean, he was really good in many games last year. So it's very disappointing to, to be, you know, have such bad numbers. I You've got to suspect at this point that tomorrow or the day after there's going to be a, a meeting of some sort with Tom Izzo, right? Like discuss you know, what's going on. I'd hope got, so, but I, I mean? you know, he's I'll invested what, so much time if in I, it. If I were that, that's the thing. And he won't look what makes Izzo better than me or the vast majority <laughs> of people here is that he won't give up. Yeah. I don't think I think he will continue to hammer away at it, but man, I, I am, so far past believing at this point. It's like, how many times can you get fooled? You know? Yeah. Right. And I just think when I, when I look at a kid, you know, you probably, you didn't see it because you didn't see the broadcast, but um, there's a segment where Jeremy fears. If I remember correctly, it was a defensive mistake that is, was upset about. And he pulled him out of the game. He went down the bench when Fear sat down, gave it to him when he came out. Then Fear sat down. Izzo went down the bench, sat next to him, and they had an animated discussion, which ended with Izzo giving him a hug. But you know what was interesting about it? And I and, and I want to preface this by saying I think people who claim to be reading body language <laughs> sometimes are completely full of sh often are full of sh they don't know what's really going on. That particularly is true when it comes to sports and Michigan State's basketball program in yeah. even more a particular of a particular sense. But I will tell you what I saw. What I saw during that discussion, the first part of which was absolutely Tom Izzo telling him what time it is. <laughs> I saw Jeremy Fears looking right at him, directly at him, not staring straight ahead and listening not looking around into space, looking right at him, taking it in. There was a back and forth in exchange, as we know Izzo encourages. And at the end of it, they were both on the same page, seemingly. Mm -hmm. So again, I don't want to take that stuff too far, but let's put it this way. Jeremy Fears' body language, the way he was engaging in that discussion was obviously beyond debate what you want to see you could argue that some other stuff might not be as bad as it might look but this clearly looked exactly the way you want it to mm -hmm. and i think his play suggests that he listens and he's trying with a certain level of success to apply some of that onto the court right yeah so you know i just Again, man, five assists, two steals, zero turnovers. I can live with that. <laughs> so number three key to the game was seeing some shots drop. And this one I'll say it's a <clears throat> this is a part victory in the sense that the free throws fell, eighty two percent mark of the free throws, but the other part of the three is, you know, just not I mean one of eleven, one of nine, you know, with regular players in the game. Um, not good. I mean, they didn't have a, f I think the first three they hit was what the five minutes left in the, in the game. I think with Walker sort of yeah. intentionally looked like he was looking for a three, like looking for an opportunity to shoot. A he three. did. Well, they ran him off. They ran him off a pin down. Right. 
And and Robbie Hummel was that was another thing he was harping on the broadcast. And he's right. He said you're going to see an endless amount of pin down screens. So that what he's talking about are those plays where you see the guard kind of near the baseline, mm-hmm. and then he comes off a screen either to the wing or to the three point line. And Walker in that, that case got outside the arc and and it was very very quick and fluid. The yeah. pass was on time. He went up, bang. Um, it was good to see it because if they'd posted an offer after a yeah. game where they went one for 20. Now, there was a stat that was posted at the end of the game that said they are the first Division One team since, I believe it said since at least 2002, to only make two three-pointers over their first two games. Yeah. Well. So they set a record for futility. <laughs> and that which, if you would have told me at the beginning of the season that this team would do that, I would have been floored. Look, there. The, let's start with the free throw thing first. Let's start with the positives. What was really good was not just the 82%, but Carson Cooper, four yep. for four. Exactly. Mati Sissoko, seven of eight. Malik Call, six of six. Those are your big men. Those are guys who you expect are going to be there a fair amount. So it's important that they are able to deliver. And they did today after at least the first two of those guys I mentioned kind of struggled against uh, against James Madison, particularly mm-hmm. Carson. Um, so that was really good to see. Want to know another disappointing A.J. Hogarth stat? No free throws attempted tonight. Right. What yeah. does that tell you? Yeah. What world is there where that can happen and you say, well, he played well. <laughs> it's just, yeah, come on. So the the guy really, it was the youngster, you know, Cohen Carr was one for three and Xavier Booker was 0 for two at the line. You take those two guys out and MSU was incredible. Yeah, right. In terms of their percentage. So that was a step forward. That's no surprise. I expect this to be a good free throw shooting team. I believe that it will be. Um. Now to the three-point shooting. Um, They were good looks. Yep. So that's the first thing you say is, all right, they were generating good looks. Um, Tyson Walker, I don't worry about. That, that's Jaden Akins, even though he's he's really, he's had two games where he's just come up and he can't buy one. Um, I thought the two he took were good shots. I thought they were both going in. Yep. And they didn't fall. Um. He will be fine. I don't believe there's a world where Jay Nakins is struggling mm-hmm. from three. Beyond that, they are going to have to find some things. Now, I think sometimes people betray a failure to understand what Michigan State actually is in some of these discussions. So I will I will put it this way. Last year's team you know, was a top five team in three point percentage on the year. So you say, well, that's a strength. And clearly it was, but we used to talk about it. If you remember their volume was never all that high. No, they didn't take a lot of them. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the importance of the three to this group's offensive identity is maybe not what it is in some other places. That's not to say it's not important and that they don't have to do massively better. Of course they do. I'm just saying 
let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater and think, well, this is a team. Uh, let's put it this way. Um, I was looking tonight after the game at the season statistics for the 2015-16 team. And that group averaged a little over 10 made threes per game. They were also, I think they led the country in percentage. If they didn't, they were extremely close. They were plus 40. They were like 42%, 43% as a team, some crazy number. Mm-hmm. But even that team, when you look at the attempts per game, it was two guys. It was Denzel and Bryn Forbes. And then after that, a whole bunch of guys with 1.2 attempts per game, uh, 0.9 attempts per game. That team had more guys I think you felt comfortable with than this one has shown thus far. But I'm not I'm not to the point yet that I'm convinced it's not going to come around enough that guys like AJ and Holloman and Fears aren't going to at least be competent, meaning at least, you know, low 30s kind of shooters. Malik Hall, I understand he looks out of sync. I get it. That's got to change. I'm not yet sold on the idea that he won't be better. So I think there's support there. But but truthfully, Tyson Walker and Jaden Akins are going to carry the load in that area because they have to. And that's not unusual for Michigan State. Michigan State's never had a team in the Izzo era that I can think of that just had a whole slew of mad bombers. Right. Yeah. They They're just have state. You may, you may, right. You may look at this team and say, well, they've got all these great guards, but that, that doesn't have to mean everybody's taking four or five, three attempts a game, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and truthfully, their offenses, Izzo's offense has never been oriented that way. Izzo's offense, for better or for worse, and a lot of analytic people, don't like it, but he's got a lot of wins. So keep that <laughs> in mind. Um, Izzo's offense very, very often is designed to get shots inside the arc. And I don't mean post-ups. I mean, um, those pin down screens that we were talking about, right? Yep. Well, a lot of times those plays will result in an open, say, 15-footer. Mm-hmm. Yep. That That's what they're trying to get. That's by design. So, look, they clearly they did not have the three-point shooting effort that we'd hoped for. And I don't think this is a team that we're going to look at and say, man, they got to get up more attempts. I don't think we're going to feel that way very often. I actually think in only one respect, there was a positive tonight. They only took 11 of them. Yeah, so when they saw them. it wasn't falling, they weren't forcing it, you know? And some of those guys, now you could say, oh, they're passing up good looks. Okay. But, you know, there are times where you need to do that. Anybody who's gone through a shooting slump can, can feel that, knows what that feels like, where you just don't have confidence in that shot. If that's where you're at mentally, you're better off trying to make something else happen. And so I think they were, they definitely weren't forcing stuff. So that's a tiny, tiny, tiny positive. So anyway, getting back to the fundamental point here, let's call it a 50% accomplishment. <laughs> and it did think, the job at the line. I think with the, the three point shooting too, 
you know, I think it may help to get away and to, to leave the Breslin to go shooting at the Champions Classic, maybe just to get out of the environment and to have everyone thinking about it, right? Like you just change your environment entirely. I think that might help. Let's hope. Let's hope. Let's hope. I, all, all it's going to take, honestly, I do think, and, and Hummel mentioned that today, that during the broadcast, that he, he thinks right now they're, they're just thinking about it Yeah, he hit like two or three in a row, and then suddenly it's, yeah. That's probably true, right. If they come out and they hit a few against Duke, it'll all be in the rearview mirror. But yeah. I understand people want to take it further than that, and they say, okay, but that doesn't really solve the problem because the problem is they just don't have enough guys who you trust to hit shots. Well, one, I'm not yet convinced of that, but two, I'm especially not convinced how much how significant it's going to ultimately be for what this team is. I'll tell you something that I thought about related to this, um, at least in a tan- tangential way, uh, as this game was was going on, and I was seeing Michigan State in a steady procession to the free throw line. Now, it's only two games, and so we're a long way from this being established as a trend, but one of the other standard features of a Tom Izzo offense is that they tend to not be a team that shoots a large number of free throws. Yeah. I was going to say that's, and yeah. and a lot of, and that's for good reason. It's because it, it rarely has he, had, well, he's never had a team that just everybody was oriented toward looking to take the ball to the rim on those fullback dives. And, you know, you get some stuff via post-up action, but, the offense, as I was talking about a second ago, what Michigan State tends to run will oftentimes lead to a lot of jumpers and frequently in the mid-range. Those are not shots that are typically going to result in fouls being called. Right. So they don't typically get to the line a lot. They have shot a boatload of free throws in these first two games. I mean, a ton. Now, the James Madison game, okay, that was a one that was excessively physical, and then you had officials really blowing the whistle tightly to combine with that. Mm -hmm. But this game, which I didn't feel was that way, they still shot 28 free throws. That's a lot. That's a lot. A Michigan State team, you know, I'd have to go back to verify this, but as I think about it, usually you expect to see them more in the range of, you know, 19, 20, 21 attempts per game, something yeah, like that. I, I don't know if that, I don't know if that will continue. It remains to be seen. Um, but it's something as you're thinking about the offense and you're thinking about, well, how are they going to score enough? If you're worried about the three point shooting and your point guards playing with his head up his ass too much, you know, all of these things we're talking about that are issues. How are they going to score enough? to compete at the level they want to compete at. Well, one way might be if they are actually getting the line a lot and then they shoot the way we expect them to shoot. So just a little note of something that I've got my eye on and we'll see what happens as we go. Yeah, I mean, we didn't have it as a key, but one of the interesting things is you know, fast break points are 23 to 1 in favor of Michigan State, 20 of those points off turnovers. Uh, you wonder if that also contributes a little bit to it. If they're running a little bit more and they're forcing action and, you know, they're, you know, you're going to be shooting more layups if you're, if you're running more. Right. And so you're going to get more fouls yeah. instances too, which 
I didn't pay attention, you know, to how many fouls came off those sorts of situations, but I, there were certainly some. And so that may be a part of it too, yep. contributing to more free throw attempts. Uh, so then we go to the fourth key is Christmas. Um, and so, you know, we said it wasn't, you mentioned it wasn't exactly turnovers that you're looking at, although I think Michigan State did okay turnover-wise. They had some, the second half was not clearly as good, but only 12 turnovers for the game, which is, for, you know, historically is pretty good for this team, for Michigan State generally. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't It wasn't terrible. It wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. But, I mean, and, AJ was the worst offender. Right. You had you had your two your two reserves, Holloman and Fears, a combined ten assists to one turnover. It's pretty good. Well, and I think that's that was your point, right? The how how smoothly is the offense running? What is and last game, the assist rate was about fifty percent, which is very very low for a Michigan State team. And this time is it was eighty four percent, so it's twenty one out of twenty five baskets had an assist on it. So yep. that just shows that they were running their yep. stuff. And so the Christmas, I think you'd say, yeah, it's probably pretty much a win. You may not agree. All with things me. considered, as a team, yeah, yes, I agree. No, I do agree. <laughs> yeah. I think as a team, I thought the screening was better. They still got what I think Madi got called for one. Yeah, which was I think it was um, fears going too soon. But in yeah, my, in my opinion, it, exactly, exactly. At least as much on Jeremy as it was on Madi, but um, only one of those. Um, you know, they were better. They were better, but then again, they were facing a lesser opponent. You would expect it to be better. I do agree that as a team, the assist-to-made field goal ratio for, for a Michigan State team is at the very least an indicator that the team they're playing is not forcing them to improvise and go one-on-one -on -one a lot, and they're moving the ball well. Yeah. So that was true. I still, you know, it's hard for me to give that a full check mark when I know that they're not getting the play from their starting point guard that they need. Yeah. But, you know, all things considered, yeah, mostly decent. Yeah, I think. Um, and then the fifth key to the game was dribble drive containment, which I thought first half is fantastic. Much better. They Southern India we basically got nothing done. I mean, they were just like, whenever they had a an inch of space, they just would throw up something, a prayer off the, and, you know, rarely went in. Uh, lots yeah. of problems in the second half. I mean, just about everybody was getting beaten, um, you know, and especially the freshmen, they really looked like they, they were totally lost. I couldn't believe how many times Carr had guys dribble past him. I'm like, this guy's super fast. I don't understand what's going yeah, on. Yeah, and he also, he also got, he also got, um, taking advantage of uh, on some off ball stuff yeah. too, yeah. which is look, there's going to be a learning curve. Yeah. That's, and, and, and that's the thing. That's one of the things coming out of, and I, I know I sound like a, a Malik Hall diehard here, but the <laughs> truth is for all the complaining you can do about Malik and I get it. The inconsistency bothers me too, but there is a big difference in terms of just defensive awareness between him and Cohen Carr right oh, now. Yeah. Now, I think Cohen Carr gives you certain things that nobody else on this team can. And so might there be at a certain point an argument for his role expanding? Yeah, there could be. I don't dispute that. But I would say part of the 
part of the equation there is if you're doing that, you've also got to be willing to live with what you're going to give up defensively until he figures it out. And I think he will, but right now he's, he's not there. And this, this one looked, it's funny because the opponent was lesser. Um, and I don't think even apart from talent, I don't think they ran stuff that was as good as what James Madison did, et cetera, et cetera. But he would, he individually was much more exposed yeah. defensively mm-hmm. in this game. In my opinion, James Madison was really those two late possessions that they sort of picked on him. But yeah. And you know, what's going to happen is other teams believe it, see this. <laughs> yeah. And so I would expect on Tuesday night, uh, I don't know yet who Cohen will be guarding, but whoever he's guarding, I would expect Duke will try to run some stuff for that player mm-hmm. and try to see if they could take advantage, you know? So Cohen's going to be the guy who provides a reason why that stops once he figures it out. Um, but uh, I, I think overall dribble dribble containment was better in this game. Yeah, it was better. Uh, was- you can argue about how much better, but it was improved. Yep. Uh, and then finally, just some like other things I think just to mention, you know, from a rebounding standpoint, it wasn't a key to the game. Not good. It was it, the Southern Indiana had 32% offensive rebound rate. Michigan State only 22%. In, in a game, you thought they really should have gotten some stuff done. Um, I'm not quite sure yeah. what the deal is if people are leaking out too the soon. Only, the only or, thing I'll say, the only thing I'll, the only thing I'll say about, um, well, I no, I think, you know what? I don't think that was it. In this one, that's been an issue, but um, I think that was an issue in the Hillsdale game, if you remember. Yeah, right, for sure. Um, I think in this one, they just didn't. <laughs> it was another thing I keep bringing up Robbie Hummel, but you know, he's <laughs> one of the best color analysts out there, and he was really on it tonight. I felt um, they just didn't. They didn't find a body tonight. Yeah, the stuff they were giving up was around the rim. It wasn't mostly. Those, you know, the ball kicks 15 feet out and it's just a guard scoops it up. They, they just weren't, they weren't, uh, they weren't checking out under the glass, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, under the rim rather. And it was, um, it was disappointing and that was across the board. The, The one guy I'll say, you know, Jaden has not been nearly the guy I think he's capable of being. But the one area that he really is getting it done thus far is on the boards. He had 11 the other night, I believe, and he yep. had seven tonight. Seven, 18, so through two games, minutes. he's averaging nine. Yeah, nine boards a game is pretty damn good for your wing. So he's at least showing signs there that he's upping his game in that area. I, I think that you know hopefully we'll start to see the other things show themselves. Well, you know, his defense was better too today. Right, I mean, it forced. It was. It was. He was very active, and, and I he mean, was better. He was better come. offensively. Yeah, he was better, and he was better offensively. I mean, look. Yeah, he was points. five for ten from the floor. Yeah, so it wasn't bad. He was three for three at the line. The the only thing he didn't do is he was zero for two from three. Um, I think he had what do you have? He had two assists. Well, he did have three turnovers, so there were issues there. But um, it was it was a step forward for him. He looked better for, for sure. sure. But I just. Yeah. He did, but you know, I we're holding him to a very high standard because I still believe, even though Tyson Walker is off to about as good a start as you could hope for, especially considering 
He's not even 100% physically right now. Um, but there's a world where Jaden Akins, I do think, could be this team's best player. And he hasn't reached that yet. But there are some positives, and rebounding is one thing worth talking about there. The other guy I think you have to talk about in that area, um, you know, Mati Sissoko. He was really good. Double there. digits, 10 yeah. boards, four, four offensive. Um, that's pretty good stuff. Yeah, he was very, very good, I thought, this game. I mean, he was played within himself. Yeah. I don't think he lost any boards. There weren't, I don't remember moments where he got to one and then it got knocked loose, you know? So that may be where his improved strength is showing up. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, the, there's definitely that number four. And I'm trying to, I don't, they didn't have any names in the back. So I, so Coswell, I guess, would trying to post him and push him. And yeah. He could not move. He could not move Mari. Right. Now they left Mari by himself. Yep. And so that guy sometimes got some, sh- got shots off and they went in, but. He yeah, but those are shots moved. you can live with. Yeah. It was like a fade away from 10 feet from a guy you don't think, okay, if he hits it, fine. <laughs> yeah, I didn't yeah. have a big problem with that. All right, well, I think uh, that's pretty much wraps it up, I think. Any final thoughts before we go, we head out of here? Well, look, um, you know, I, despite my general tone here, <laughs> I am not going to be surprised if we see a dramatically different looking in a positive sense, Michigan state team on Tuesday. Um, one, I've seen this before Two, We watched this team play a very, very good Tennessee team who I believe certainly is a team. You can look at at this stage as a peer of a, of a team like Duke mm-hmm. and we saw Michigan state be right there. So I don't, I don't for a second believe they're walking into a situation where hey, there's no way they can compete. No, that that's clearly not true, but some things have got to change. You know, there, there's some things I think, um, obviously we know from a, from a, um, production point of view they got to shoot the ball better from three there's i mean that's (laughs) sure stating the obvious right um they've got to be more consistent than they've been defensively you know those things are true but it's the i'll call it attitudinal stuff that's really the the great unknown but it's it's not going to shock me if aj hogard steps up and shows out it won't, mm-hmm. you know, I've seen it. I've seen him do it many, many times. And if he does it against Duke, we'll all be celebrating myself included, but it will be one more data point in the frustrating column. <laughs> it's like, Why can't yeah. you do this all the time? Yeah, I know. You know, I mean, it's Cassius Winston didn't have games where he went six for eight from three and had 10 assists to one turnover every time out. You know, Mateen Cleaves didn't do that. You know, name your MSU great. But by this stage of their careers, rarely did you did you think, man, I just don't know if that guy's going to show up. You know? Yeah. The, the only time you ever had a, an issue with Cassius, for example, was when he went through one of the most horrible things anybody could go through. And it was, and it's to be expected, but the fact that he rallied 
off of that is a, a statement, a testament to how great a player and how strong a person he is. Um, but even then, you know, I, I, there, there weren't many times where I looked at it and said, boy, he just didn't, he just didn't show up. Yeah. You never questioned that. You know? That was never. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's where I'm at. And to some extent, and I hope listeners know that to some extent, this is venting, but I do think there's some seriousness to it as well regarding the point guard situation. So I hope we see something markedly better next Tuesday because it needs to be if they're going to win that game. Well, very interestingly, Duke's next opponent before they play Michigan State is Arizona, and we'll yeah, be playing Arizona around that. Thanksgiving. That's so tomorrow, kind of similar <laughs> similar yep. opponents here. So that ought to be a hell of a game. I mean, yeah. it, it really should be because both of those teams, a lot of talent, and um, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how that one pans out. And also, a, a slight helpful thing is that James Madison went down to Kent State and they beat Kent State. So James Madison's two and zero. They won in double overtime. Uh, they beat, and I think Kent State did. Project- they? I thought they lost. No, they won double overtime. So they won. Wow! I did. I did see they scored five points in the last three point eight seconds of regulation. Yeah, they to came, send it to overtime. Yep, they came back and tied it up. So yep. that's so that's good for Michigan remarkable. State. I mean, I think they it, might be. You know, they, they might be. They might be one of those teams. And, and look, they're a good team. They're, they're, this is not. In my view, this is not a Florida Atlantic story. No, I don't no. think they're that good. They're a good mid major, but you're right. It's it's you want you want that to not appear. The problem is it it happened at home, so it's hard for it to not ding you to some extent. But I hear you. Yeah. Uh. So anyway, so that that's helpful. We're gonna, we'll come back in a few days and we'll have our pregame for a Duke, and and it gets it starts to get real now. Although it's, uh, we'll yep. see a lot of these things get sort of cleaned up, hopefully by the Duke game. And sometimes, like you said, we see that, you know, they get this, they have these problems against the lesser than opponents. And then you kind of figure out where you really are. Well, it's just, and it's just, unfortunately, even though we look at this as a veteran team, the fact is they're all still young people and they are going to feel the gravitas of that, you know, and sometimes that has the effect of getting guys to rise to the occasion in a way that playing in Southern Indiana just doesn't. It shouldn't be that way. The really, really good teams don't tend to have those kind of problems all that often, but it does happen. Yeah. So I'm not going to be shocked if Michigan State, let, let's put it this way. I'm not, I'm not thinking right now, boy, we should expect a 20-point beatdown. I'm not expecting that. Yeah. It could happen, but I'm expecting they're going to play pretty well. All right, so we'll see you guys in a little bit. Again, check out our website, thefinalforceontheschedule.com, where you can find ways of supporting the show. Uh, you can find the episodes there. You can find some merchandise if you want to buy hoodies or T-shirts. Uh, also, our forum, where you can interact with other Spartan fans in our community. Uh, also, check out Nudge Printing at nudgeprinting.com and the Brothers at Just Do Gutters. You can find that contact information in the podcast below or just go to brothersgutters.com. So until next time, the final four is on the schedule. Go green.